the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Welcome to our show on this Saturday, January the 6th. 2024, our first program of the year. We want to thank our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. If you want to know anything about immigration, my friends, the border crisis, go to FAIRUS.org. FAIRUS.org. Let me tell you real quick who our guests are, and then we will get right to our show. It's a packed show. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County. He's going to be talking to us about this huge event that went on in Eagle Pass with 60 congressmen, Republican congressmen, visiting the border this past week. Then we've got Mr. Todd Benzman, who's going to be talking to us about a huge subdivision in East Texas that um, is under federal investigation. Uh, we also have uh, sh- former Sheriff uh, A.J. Lauterbach, who is going to be talking to us about the cartels, give us an update of what is happening with the cartels and our efforts to protect Texas citizens. And finally, we have my very, very good friend, Mr. Silvio Canto from Dallas, fellow blogger. He is going to be talking, he and I are going to be chatting about the Hispanic vote in 2024. This is an ongoing uh, sh- portion of the show that we're going to be doing uh, during this election year. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, uh, Sheriff Brad Coe, from uh, Kenny County, Texas, over in Brackettville. And uh, he's a regular guest with us. Uh, the sheriff is uh, is one of the individuals uh, that has been uh, at the forefront of the discussion of this border crisis and the impact on uh, on the counties along the border. So I wanted to get him on because today, uh, January the third, Wednesday, twenty twenty four, the new year, there is a large, a very large congressional delegation heading down to the border. Uh, Republicans. Uh, led by the Speaker of the House, uh, Speaker Johnson, Mike Johnson. And uh, I believe it's being hosted by Congressman uh, Tony Gonzalez, who is the congressman in that area, in that uh, district. Um, I wanted to get uh, uh, the sheriff on because, my friends, we have had tons of of congressional visits to uh, the border. And uh, here we go with one, with a large one, with very important people. Um, but I want to find out from the uh, sheriff what uh, what is what's his opinion. Sheriff, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Uh, good morning, George. Pleasure to be with you today. Let me ask you uh, right up front. Here's here we go with another congressional delegation, a very large one, and uh, a very important one because uh, the speaker is going to visit. Um, all of the other congressional visits that have been going on uh, for the past year, um, do you think anything has changed? Well, to, to be perfectly honest, I don't think so. I mean, I'll take my hat off to the Republicans for actually wanting to come down here hands-on and see what's going on and go back and try to do something. But until uh, the Republicans or some Democrats, whoever case may be, opens their eyes and says, hey, we got to do something about this and let's get it done. Versus, well, we went down there and saw it. We, we see it's horrible, but we can't get any help from our people across the aisle. 
this is not a Republican thing or Democrat thing. It's an American thing that needs to be handled accordingly. And, and even even the mayors of, uh, like the mayor of New York and the mayor, I'm not sure if the mayor of Chicago, but the mayor of New York went to the border to visit because um, he feels that he is being invaded in, in New York City. <laughs> um, yeah. Even he went down there, and uh, I'm not sure what uh, came out of that uh, that visit. Not, not that one I have no clue. I just know that he's saying that he's being invaded and Texas is treating him wrong by sending some, some of these illegal migrants up to New York City. Wow. <laughs> the, the, all right. So give us give us an update. Give us an update. Uh, uh, I understand that this past uh, December, this past month, uh, about uh, an estimated 302,000, 302,000 uh Encounters. That means uh, people that cross the border illegally. 302,000. Um, what's your assessment of what's going on? Well, the 302,000, that's everything from San Diego down to McAllen. Right. If you count the northern border and the coastal sectors, it's uh, right at 350,000 for the month. Wow. That's you, you, oh, that 350,000 people, that would fill out uh, Michigan's uh, football stadium, and State's football stadium and Texas A&M's football stadium in 30 days. <laughs> the capacity of those three stadiums together is about 325,000. So we had more people than we could put in three football stadiums. Yeah, and, and and the, you know, again, this situation, we're hitting new, num- new uh, records in the numbers. Uh, you, as a former Border Patrol agent, have you ever seen it this bad? I mean, it's getting, it seems like I ask you that every month. And uh, every month, your your answer is that it's still getting worse. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is getting worse. In my 30, 30 plus years with the border patrol, we never saw it this bad. It, we'd get hit in certain areas like McAllen or Tucson or Yuma, but never all of them at the same time. So this is something completely new. Uh, border patrol, I feel bad for them because there's a lot of guys I know that are still working and they are retiring as quickly as possible. So it's only going to get worse. Yeah, now, one of the interesting things that's that's happening right now um, is that the Biden administration is trying to push the uh, in the Supreme Court to be allowed to cut the barbed wire that the state of Texas has set up to protect the border. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what the thinking is because the barbed wire was set up to stop illegal immigration, and here. The Biden administration wants to cut it. I am not sure what they're thinking. Now, I can understand cutting it if it's a life-threatening situation. Somebody's out there drowning or somebody's injured. Yes, cut it. Let's go get them. We'll repair the fence. But what they're wanting to do is cut it and leave the, the border wide open because they're afraid Texas is, to my opinion, Texas is doing too good of a job doing what the, the federal government's not doing. Mm. So I think the end, the end game is they want to control everything. And Governor Abbott's not going to bow down to them. Yep. Now, in, in your county, what uh, I mean, uh, you're, you're, what are you seeing as far as illegal immigration and folks uh, coming through in, in your area? What uh, what kind of traffic are you seeing? Well, our foot traffic, of course, it's December. It's uh, traditionally a slow period. Uh, that portion has decreased a little bit since everything is taking place in Eagle Pass and uh, El Paso areas. But the human smuggling, we're, we're still seeing an increase. It's, it's climbing back up again. So, but it's that time of year. Everybody's trying to get here because of the promise, the promise of amnesty, or uh, something's going to be forgiven. They're going to be able to live, you know, in the shadows for the rest of their lives. Uh, but I pulled some some reports the other day and ran uh, criminal history on the aliens that were caught in that in that load, and uh, all three of them had uh, significant criminal histories. We had. Uh, burglaries, we had DWIs, uh, assaults, etc., etc. So those are the ones that aren't going to get any type of amnesty because they're criminal records. So those are the ones that are being smuggled. But I'm predicting uh, for this month, February and March, we're probably going to see a record in human smuggling. Wow. Now, it, 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 there is also concern about the number of, um, of uh, folks on the terrorist watch list that have been uh, apprehended or uh, stopped. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we've got uh, we've got uh, a, a new situation in in Iran where there was a bomb that went off uh, at an event uh, today, and um, 
um, uh, the Iranians are rattling their swords and uh, threatening uh, everyone, you know, especially the United States and Israel. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, this wide open border and uh, the, the Middle East tensions? Well, of course, you got the Middle East tensions going on. You still got everything in Ukraine and uh, Middle East. But the thing that concerns me the most about this terror watch list stuff is they won't tell us for two or three months. Oh, we, we caught uh, five people that were on the terror watch list two months ago. That's fine. But as the local law enforcement, I would like, and this is the argument I'm having with the FBI, is I don't necessarily need to know who or where they're from. It's just were they apprehended in my county? What were the circumstances? Were they being smuggled? Were they trying for amnesty? Do we need to keep a close eye on what's going on in our backyard? I need to know, not the particulars, just where. And they won't give that information up. Wow. Now, it used to be, and I don't know what it's like now, but it used to be um, that ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, would pick up um, any bad guys that were held in uh, in county jails. Uh, uh-huh. Is that still happening, or how's that working now? Uh, from what I'm understanding, the ones like the ones that we're apprehending and sending to the, the facilities provided for provided by the governor, uh, depending on who they are and what the criminal record is, if their ICE is actually picking them up and, and sending them home. Uh-huh. So, so they're, I'm going to say, not doing their job 100%, but they're doing what they're being told how to operate, operate from higher higher sources. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Well, you know, uh, in, in 2024, uh, what is your sense of uh, this situation at the border right now? Well, right now, of course, this is going to be an election year for us and Mexico, so there's going to be a little bit of tension there. But my orchestra crew went to Mexico what, last week, week before last, to try to solve some of this stuff in Mexico City. And from what I understand, the Mexican president kind of put his demand list on the table said, well, if you want me to help, you're going to have to do A, B, C, and D. And I don't think we should be doing any of that. We, uh, well, I think one of the two of the requests that he had was uh, lift sanctions on Venezuela and Cuba. <laughs> so I understand. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's none of his business. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh. So... But one, one thing we have heard, of course, it's a big caravan coming up there, around about 8,000 plus. Yes. Uh, because it's an election year and because this delegation is coming to Eagle Pass today, uh, apprehension seemed to be down because Mexico was trying to pull these people, some of these people off the train and send them back to Guatemala. So I'm sure there's some give and take in there. So that when the delegation gets here today, there's not going to be a whole lot of processing going on down there. Yeah. So it's kind of a smoke and mirror type deal. That, well, you said it was horrible, but there's only 10 people here, here today. Well, you can come down here on a full-time basis and go look every day for about six months. Yeah, you got it. Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us as usual. folks. Oh, we've been... Thank you, George. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. No, it's it's good to have uh, somebody on, uh, on the ground that uh, we can depend on to give us an accurate uh, reading of what is going on there. So um, you stay safe, and uh, we will be in touch with you some more, and uh, you can give us an update of what is going on there in your county. All right, my friends. All right. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Sheriff Bradco from Kenny County, Texas. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. We want to welcome my good friend, uh, Mr. Todd Bensman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is a regular guest with us. I wanted to get him on because he's written a recent article about a uh, community in deep east Texas that is uh, full of uh, illegal alien residents, apparently, and it is under investigation by the federal government. Uh, Todd, thank you very much for, well, for joining us. Welcome to the show as usual. Yep, good to be here. Um, yeah, Colony Ridge was the subject of a recent special legislative session called by Greg Abbott to uh, consider sort of uh, development curtailing uh, legislative uh, remedies for this place, which is, you know, probably the largest illegal immigrant settlement in America, 50 to 70,000 people live there, mostly Latinos. Not all of them are illegal. Nobody really knows how many of them are, are legal, but 
the people who live there all think that the majority are illegal. But in any case, um, the session ended with a $40 million state appropriation for continued Texas Department of Public Safety uh, law enforcement surges in there, which uh, by Thanksgiving had kind of calmed things down a little bit. But there has been a development, uh, which is that which is that the federal government, mainly the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau filed an 11-point case allegations claiming that Colony Ridge has been ripping off all of these Latino buyers for years, since at least 2016. Uh, they call it an illegal land scheme uh, where they're charging uh, 13 up to 12.9% interest uh, to people who don't have social security numbers or a way to have regular bank loans, mortgage loans. They're kind of owner to seller, owner to buyer financing. And they're saying the whole thing was a big illegal scheme that they um, are defrauding uh, tens of thousands of people. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a case that is prosecuted out of Houston against Terenos Houston and its owners, uh, the Harris family, Trey and um, William Trey Harris and family members uh, who, you know, refute all of these allegations, of course. But what's one of the interesting things about this case is that in order to you know, blunt the Texas legislature's ideas for curtailing its development, it hired a crisis management firm which put forth the the storyline that they're just selling the American dream, that they're making home ownership available and that they're really doing a wonderful thing for all these Latinos who ordinarily would not be able to buy a home or land anywhere. And so uh, this this case actually calls the what they've been doing an American nightmare and blows all of that up. So uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, point of of the lawsuit, kind of with, filled with irony. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was the HUD director in Houston, uh, I knew of several small little unplatted. We call them unplatted, un uh, undeveloped. Uh, subdivisions uh, which would fall under the title of colonias and um, you know they were all occupied by poor indigent uh, property owners and um, but they were just you know small parcels of, uh, of land all over the place this apparently is a very very large subdivision a big area with lots and with a with a large population correct yeah, it's massive. It uh, covers about 60 square miles. Uh, the feds are charging that, you know, tens of thousands of property owners in there bought on false pretenses that they were told. Then it's, it's flood-prone land. Yep. Frequently floods. Uh, each lot has utility uh, lines up to it, but not... not they don't hook them up to whatever homes are built. So people thought that they were buying, you know, properties where there were, uh, there was a lot more uh, utility infrastructure. They thought that they were buying land that was not prone to flooding. So uh, there was all these, there were all these extra costs associated with buying that they didn't know about, which led to a very, very high rate of foreclosure, which, you know, the developer would, uh, you know, take back the properties by one account, more than half of all the properties they sold. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and reflip them, resell them again to other people who then would for be foreclosed on for missing a couple of, of their high interest payments, et cetera. Anyway, this really changes the whole storyline that they've been putting out there that everybody seems in the, at the state legislature, especially democratic lawmakers, bought hook, line, and sinker. They swallowed this America dream yep. uh, narrative. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, here we go with, uh, you know, these allegations, and it's not over. 
Um, this is apparently the New York Post is reporting that there are at least five other active investigations, federal and state, about a range of uh, other problems like, um, you know, the EPA, the IRS, the um, state of Texas is looking into allegations. This thing for the developers is far from over. And because of all of that, I think that, you know, this is an existential threat for this colonia, for this colony. They call it the self-style. They call it Colonia Ridge. You're right. Yeah. And these colonias have existed, these, but in smaller scale, all along the border for forever because people would cross uh, and, uh, and purchase uh, small parcels. And, they, you know, they were always small little... Uh, subdivisions or little neighborhoods, but never something this size. I mean, for crying out loud! And all of them, all of them have always been victimized. I mean, you know, and the uh, the property owner will always finance the sale to an illegal alien, and then uh, you know keep the keep the the uh, the mortgage or keep the deed until it's paid off, and sometimes not even then. But, um, you know, that's that, well, that, that has always been I mean, happening. interestingly, you know, one of the big disputes or, you know, the, one of the big pushbacks is whether, you know, the people who live here are illegal aliens. But the federal lawsuit that was brought, it very carefully avoids yeah. saying whether they're legal or illegal. But what it does say is that all of the marketing and advertising was done in Spanish internationally and that it was targeting uh, people on the basis of their national origin from Latin from Central America and Mexico mostly uh, using you know their their national flags and regional music from the areas and promising you know you can own land in the United States well if if they're not targeting illegal immigrants uh, I don't know who they are targeting because yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not going to be lured by the promise that I get to own land in the United States. I mean, I was born here, and so yeah, right. so we're a lot of people. You know, you don't need to. That's not the selling point unless you're an illegal alien. Now, uh, final question before we let you go: Do you do you think that the issue of their uh, of citizenship, whether or not they have legal citizenship is going to enter into any of this um, in, into any of this litigation because again uh, the question would be whether or not an illegal alien can own property in the United States I think that the I mean this is the Biden administration's agencies that are bringing this this lawsuit ostensibly uh, you know in my my opinion to in their minds protect illegal aliens uh-huh. yep. and, and immigrants uh, but Honestly, you know what they're what they're proposing is that developers offer regular interest rate loans, and I I can't see where even the current developer would continue to do that. I mean, the big selling point for them is they don't have to prove income history, they don't have to show credit reports, they don't have to prove that they held jobs or that they have secure that they can securitize these loans. And that was the reason why they were charging such high interest rates. And right. I can't imagine anybody coming forward with regular priced loans, uh, you know, where they're going to accept no social security number, uh, accept no proof of income, accept no securitization. So I can't imagine why illegal immigrants are going to be attracted to more standard and traditional home loans there. I don't think they're going to be able to attract. I don't think they're going to want to attract anybody. Nobody's going to want to give such extremely high risk borrowers uh, loans at regular interest rates. And those people would be prevented uh, under the the proposals from being able to, you know, quickly foreclose. You know, they'd have to work with the buyers. I mean, it'd have to be like a regular standard practice. And so I think that this is really an existential threat for all of the future growth of this area. I think if this lawsuit, federal lawsuit succeeds, I think a lot of the people that bought there are going to get big payouts, but 
no new buyers are going to want to. Yeah, right. Or no exactly. new, no new, no new lenders are going to want to offer regular, you know, cost interest loans. Right. To and 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 people aren't going to want to um, have to provide social security numbers and have to provide proof of income and good credit scores over. You know, so I think really the whole thing is just you know upended. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see this and. You know, there are more uh, investigations coming, according to the New York Post, and this thing is far from over. Uh, you know, kudos to the uh, land developers for hiring a uh, crisis communications firm and putting out all of all of these kind of storylines. Uh, I think that helped them in the short term avoid any major state legislation. Listen, but we, now you got, we, now got, you got the feds. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to uh, close out. But thank you for taking time to be with us as usual, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, we'll be back in touch with you again for some more uh, information on this or in other articles that you always write. You write some great stuff. Thank you for having. Uh, by the way, you can read you can read this piece at. CIS.org. CIS.org under my name. CIS. CIS.org. Under Todd Benson. Have a good one, my friend. You too. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from, from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, former sheriff, A.J. Lauterbach. I wanted to get him on because, my friends, we continue to have some problems, major problems, with the cartels at the border. And uh, A.J., as a former sheriff, uh, has been following this whole situation for a while. A.J., give us an update. What is going on with the uh, cartels at the border? Order right now and uh, crime in general. Well, George, thanks for bringing this to the to the public's attention. And uh, you know, in all of my my uh, career in law enforcement, expanding uh, over forty five years in this business, and uh, was one of the very first uh, to cry out about the the border situation because. Uh, in Jackson County, we had uh, US 59 to Houston came out through the county. And it was very evident uh, for anyone who wanted to look at the, the facts and figures is that Houston is a major hub for, for human trafficking and for narcotics. They service the entire southern half of the United States out of Houston. So it is a major hub uh, and, a, and a major conduit uh, from, the, from the Rio Grande Valley into Houston is, is a major corridor that... Um, you know, in, in enables the cartel to do what they do and to be very successful with their business plan. The, um, you know, the whole story, this is very, very concerning uh, recent developments, um, you know, with Hamas and the anti-Semitism that is coming with that, uh, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, I, I saw it first and started tracking it from the, uh, you know, from the East Coast, uh, from the colleges where a lot of this stuff is is uh, born and bred and, and expanded on um, from the lunacy of the left um, as, as they jump on this bandwagon on, on the pro-Palestinian, which which is not pro-Palestinian, it's pro-Hamas, which are essentially just terrorists. Uh, their one goal in life is to rid the world of all Israelis. And um, I'm a staunch Israeli uh, supporter, um, as most Judeo-Christians are. Uh, the birthplace. I mean, this this is this is foundational, uh, the foundational of Christianity. So it uh, uh, very very alarming, very concerning um, that we would have that kind of uh, rallies in 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 San Antonio or Houston or any of the any of the major leftist woke centers that we have here in Texas. Um, but I'm very concerned about that, and for watching it intently as to where this where this goes. AJ, uh, with the border wide open, I mean, uh, there have been in the past year, just in the past year, there have been about 140 um, uh, people that are on the terrorist watch list. 
that are on the watch list that have been intercepted, that have been caught. Heaven knows how many have not been caught. Uh, do you think that uh, that this is something definitely uh, we should um, uh, we as as citizens should be very concerned about as well as law enforcement because we've got a lot of Democrat sheriffs that keep downplaying the border problem. Well, that's especially reprehensible to me. But yes, uh, this is a this is a major event. It's a it is a, something that if you're not concerned with, you should be. If you're not up to speed with what's going on here, you should be. Uh, the military age men that are coming to the border, and we're closer to 200 on the terror watch list right now than we are 140. So and we may be over 200. But this this wide open border policy uh, has enabled the cartel to bring in um, any number we're well over a million gotaways we're well over an unknown number an unknown guesstimate on just how many people are in this you know in the United States uh, illegally and have been smuggled in here so um, I think it's a matter of time uh, before we're attacked internally I think it's very realistic um to at least consider this, consider this possibility and prepare for it in some contingency. Um, it's not fear-mongering. It's just fact. It's just reality uh, on what we're dealing with. And I don't mean to alarm people, but we, we really have to really have to observe with a keen, a keen eye just what is going on here uh, and what you have to endure when you have an open border and what that does to your country uh, as, as a general rule, as a, as a um, you know, as a, a really a key concept, um, you know, what open borders really represents and, and all the bad things that, that go along with that. So it's not just terrorism. It's not just the drugs. It's it's a whole range of things. I heard the other day where leprosy has got a 40% increase in the nation now uh, on leprosy cases, uh, plus other medical issues that are going on. So we've got threats. We've got legitimate threats. We've got uh, concerning threats. And we've got things that this country is going to have to deal with for years to come. And if President Trump uh, attains the White House, um, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to try to reclaim that territory and, 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 you know, put back a safety barrier that the that this uh, that the Biden administration has simply removed uh, and to, you know, essentially to cause additional harm to the to the to the, to the American public. And uh, it doesn't seem to care about that at all. Doesn't seem to doesn't seem to enter into any conversation, um, you know, at all about harming uh, harming Texans and harming Americans. Let me ask you also about uh, the other uh, facet to uh, the public safety that issues that we're facing right now is um, uh, we continue to have a very strong undercurrent of defund the police. It's not as open as it was in the past, but there are still efforts to uh like here in san antonio to uh and in in uh in in uh, uh in austin to defund the police or at least discourage them uh this while we've got higher crime and a terrorist threat <laughs> what is your what are what are your thoughts on this well, George, it's a hallmark of the left. It, it is truly a hallmark of, 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 uh, of the left and the Biden administration for lawlessness. Uh, they promote it. Um, they encourage it. Um, they facilitate it. Is, is, um, lawlessness is, is, is part of the agenda. And I, 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 think, the, I think Texans um, have caught on to a lot of these things. Um, regrettably, some of the nation has not. Um, as we continue to, to, to plunge headlong, uh, you know, down this road of, of these policies. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it's a law enforcement issue. Um, it, you know, if, if you're not going to address it, 
um, you know, then please just get out of the way and, and, and let people who will address it, uh, address it properly and, and to secure this nation. And that's, that's really, um, you know, one of the ultimate goals. It's one of the ultimate goals of government is to provide, uh, you know, a public safety measure here and a governmental response that is, that is accurate, effective, uh, and protects the people. Hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're not willing to do that, then you shouldn't be in the role. <laughs> Let me ask you one last question, and that's regarding the cartel activity on the border. Uh, part of the border is still continuing to see shootouts on the Mexican side of uh, uh, of the border, uh, shootouts between cartels. Others parts uh, seem to be watching a very smooth uh, operation of, uh, of uh, sending illegal aliens across the river. Um, what uh, do you have any any uh, ideas or thoughts of uh, of how the, the United uh, how Texas needs to handle uh, well even the United States these cartels? Well, George, it's unparalleled in history. It's unparalleled in Texas history. Um, there's there's at no time uh, in our country where we can see uh, and prove that uh, the cartel empowerment is, is at its greatest right now. And they have enjoyed three years of, uh, and they want another one, and they want four more after that. Uh, you know, to to complete the uh, the infrastructure they've got in place right now. Uh, Houston has a major infrastructure issue of cartel involvement. They're more violent. They're more sophisticated. Um, uh, they're more technology right now. They're, they're very, uh, they, they do utilize technology. Um, you know, I was I was surprised uh, just this last week of the major oil and gas thefts that are going on there that the cartel is doing. So they have ramped up in every area. Violence, uh, theft, um, raking in billions of dollars off of the off the uh, um, you know smuggling humans in. Obviously, the narcotics trade, which is which is uh, unparalleled in history, uh, on the amount of, of uh, fentanyl and methamphetamine that's coming across. We just had an officer-involved shooting in in Jackson County last week, which involved a person high on methamphetamine. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it is it is very. If if you want to know what's really going on, it's there for you to see. Um, it's there for you to see the 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 nature of, of what's happening to the degradation of our society right now under these leftist policies, and that's um, that's something that we've, we've got another year to go. So we've got to, you know, m- one of my mottos now is survive to twenty five. So we've got to get to the got to get to the voting booth uh, uh, in March and again uh, uh, again in November, uh, especially. And uh, and win this thing and start the process of securing our country and taking it back. You got it, buddy. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us this morning. Folks, we've been speaking with former uh, Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach. Uh, and uh, A.J. is a real good friend and knows exactly what he's talking about. He's been in law, in law enforcement a long time and watching what's been going on both in the border as well as in the cities. A.J., Thank you very, very much for being with us today. Always a pleasure, George, and I always appreciate you so much. And you're you're uh, a, a candid source of truthful information. Um, and I hope yeah, I hope you have years and years to come to be advising us what's really going on here in, in the U.S. and especially in Texas. But God bless you, sir. Thank you very much once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got my very good friend, Mr. Silvio Canto, who is a fellow blogger. He is in Dallas. And not only is he a fellow blogger, he's a fellow Hispanic. I wanted to get him on because I want to start a new new series uh, on this new year about the Hispanic vote. uh, And as we're looking at this uh, election year. And uh, since we're both fellow Texans, uh, I wanted him to come on and chat with me about the Hispanic vote nationwide and the Hispanic vote here in Texas. So, Silvio, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year, George. It's great to be with you. It's good to have you, buddy. And uh, so 
you heard my introduction. Let's talk about this. First right. of all, let's talk about the Hispanic vote in general, uh, both across the country and uh, here in Texas. Um, yeah. what, what do you think? What, what you're seeing, George, is a erosion of the Biden support across the board. And uh, not just with Hispanics, but with young people, with uh, African-Americans. In other words, there's not a group in the country where Joe Biden seems to be having success with. Uh, now, a lot of it is, 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 I think, related to his performance. I mean, the, the fact is that I think there's two big issues driving, uh, driving this erosion that I talked about. The first one is domestic. I mean, if you're Hispanic, uh, or anybody really, you were better off four years ago. It's the old Reagan question, are you better off? So if you're Hispanic, you would love to have the food prices that you had under President Trump, and you would definitely like to have the gas prices that you had under under President Trump. So I think that's, uh, in my opinion, a big factor, and that is the economic situation of the country uh, that is uh, eroding a lot of that support. The other thing that is happening is the sense that the nation is in disarray. And we, I personally, you and I remember this, but I personally you know, have not seen anything like this since President Carter, uh, where there's a sense that the country's uh, in disarray and that all these international problems could uh, get... Uh, our armed forces involved in a conflict. And remember that there's a, a very significant percentage of the armed forces who are Hispanic. I mean, here in Texas, we have many, many young Hispanics in the armed forces. So I think it's the economy and the sense that the nation is in disarray and the sense that President Biden is disconnected from all of this. I mean, you don't have to be a psychiatrist or a medical person to see this every time he's on television he he looks like a man who is not connected to the to the day-to-day -day things i think those three things are affecting the vote on the national level uh in texas it's a little bit uh more complicated because as you indicated the hispanic vote is is huge i'm not sure if it's a majority i think it's almost split down the down the middle but the economy, of course, is affecting Hispanics here as well. And the national security disarray that I mentioned is affecting Hispanics as well. But then there's the border, uh, the situation on the border, George. You know this as well as anybody being down there. All of those, you know, mayors and small towns on the border, they're run by Hispanics and, and, and Democrats, I mean. And, and they're having a hell of a time figuring out what are we going to do here? We can't, you know, we just, you and I were talking uh, a few days ago about Eagle Pass, where they're spending all this extra money that they don't have just to take care of the problem, George. Well, I think overall it's uh, the performance of the Biden administration, George, that is just driving this his numbers down, George. Let me ask you this, because you follow, you follow international affairs a, a bit better than I do. <laughs> And uh, last uh, couple of weeks ago, we had uh, the spectacle, and I'll use that word, the spectacle of Biden, the Biden administration going to Mexico to ask them for help in resolving the immigration crisis that we've got, the border crisis that we've got. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I thought that was one of the lowest moments, really of his presidency. I mean, you're, you have a, a crisis on the border. You have people coming into the country under these uh, crazy asylum rules where all you have to do is show up and they give you an asylum uh, ticket. And on top of that, Mexico has facilitated this by allowing people to cr cross the country and come to the United States. And the, the President Biden sends his Secretary of State and Secretary of Homeland Security to see President Lopez Obrador, and he's lecturing us that we have we have to have amnesty, or we have to help Cuba. I mean, what a crazy situation! We should be telling him what he needs to do, or at least 
you know, giving him options and saying, look, you can help us, and here's what you have to do. And if you don't do it, we have options too. You don't have to threaten him publicly. I understand that's not always good diplomacy, but it sure looks like we're just going down there and he's telling us what to do, George. That's not a, that's not uh, what a leader does. And I thought the Dallas Morning News had the best way to describe this. He says, you know, President Biden is on vacation while this crisis is going on. Well, that's, uh, I think that's how most people feel, including a lot of Hispanics, George. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the situation of, um, uh, of these sanctuary cities and the reaction uh, by minorities about the aliens arriving, the immigrants arriving in their in their backyard. Uh, your thoughts on that, like in Chicago or New York? Oh, absolutely. I, I think what's happened in these sanctuary cities, uh, George, is that demagoguery has made reality. It was very easy for these mayors a few years ago to call us racist and anti-immigrant here in Texas because we said no to sanctuary cities. And I remember the debates. I remember going on Spanish TV and hearing the other person say that this is racist, you know, that being against sanctuary cities is racism and all that kind of stuff that we used to hear. But now I guess the, you know, the, the migrants are there and they don't know what to do with them. They don't have the resources of how to deal with them. That's the real problem. They don't have the resources. Nobody does, George. Nobody has the resources to take all these people into your country. And, you know, New York, for example, this weekend, New York is going to be facing a major snowstorm uh, in, the next, uh, in the next few days, in this first week of the year. I don't know how they're going to be able to, you know, to, 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 what are they going to do with these people? Many of them are out in the streets. Chicago has the same problems in January with bad weather. So I, uh, you know, I don't feel sorry for these mayors because they brought this upon themselves, but I wish there was a little bit more leadership in the Democrat Party calling on President Biden to do something uh, about a problem that he created, George. Let me ask you one last question about an issue that's very dear to your heart uh, and to mine, and that is the issue of abortion and uh, the whole issue of, of uh, gender reassignment, et cetera, et cetera, which seems to fly in the face of Hispanic culture. Uh, the Democrats continue to push that. Uh, those issues and um, and and support them and whatnot. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I, I think all this stuff about gender and uh, especially abortion is a very difficult issue in the Hispanic community because of the role of motherhood in the Hispanic community and also the the idea of the family. and And I think the biggest problem with the gender thing is the fact that these are children. I mean, if a grown man wants to become a woman, uh, you know, I guess, you know, we can't, we cannot really stop them or the other way around. A woman wants to become a man. But here we're talking about children. In the case of abortion, I think the Democrat dilemma is that they cannot seem to come to a middle position. I mean, most of the country believes that a woman should have access to an abortion, but within certain time, you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, that, uh, and I think that's where most of the country is. But the Democrats cannot make it to the center on this issue because their supporters want them to, to support unconditional abortion. And I can guarantee you that unconditional abortion does not fly in the Hispanic community. I mean, this whole, whole idea of reproductive rights None of that really flies in the Hispanic community because uh, it just it, it it runs into into family traditions and family values, George. One final question, then: Can you summarize what you think the uh, where is this uh, at at least at this point in time? Because we're going to be chatting with you later on as the year goes along, and I want to be measuring along how the Hispanic vote is going, how the Hispanic. Uh, uh, where the Hispanics are mostly leaning. So at this point in time, in January of 2024, where do you think the Hispanics are at this point? I think a lot of Hispanics are looking at their options. They're not completely committed to the Democrat Party as it may have been another time. And they're looking at their options. And, and they're saying, okay, you know, we're not doing very well right now. 
And if we have to choose between these two, they're trending to President Trump. Uh, So I think right now they're trending to President Trump across the board. Here in Texas, down in in South Texas, we already saw some gains uh, among Republic. I mean, among Hispanics when it came to to uh, President Trump in in twenty twenty. But the one thing I always tell people when we're talking about the Hispanics is that Hispanics are not one group. You know, you have a lot of different Hispanics, uh, Cubans in Florida. And there's a lot of uh, people who are from South America who live, and they tend to vote more on a socioeconomic level than necessarily Hispanic issues. Uh, So I I think we have to understand that Hispanics are not one group, and they're trying to make us into one group. But we're very different. I mean, Cubans in Florida, like, you know, I'm not in Florida, but I'm of Cuban-American descent. You know, we look at the world a little bit different. Because, uh, you know, we came here because of communism. So we, you know, we look at it differently. And, and I think those, you know, if you look at Florida, Florida, uh, the Hispanics did very well there with President Trump. But that's because of the Cuban influence. But here in Texas, we have more of the Mexican influence. And that has always been more favorable to the Democrats. But I see, I see the, the pendulum swinging in the direction of the Republicans. Not real sharp. Uh, it's not going to be like 50%, but it doesn't have to be 50% to be significant. If you can get the, the Hispanic vote to, uh, to 40, I think that could make a big difference uh, in, in many of these Senate uh, elections, George. You got it, buddy. Got it, buddy. Well, we'll let you go on that one. Um, folks, we've been chatting with our good friend, Mr. Silvio Canto from Dallas. Silvio, tell the folks where they can follow you. Well, you can go to the internet and just put Canto Talk, C-A-N-T-O, Talk, T-A-L-K, so Canto Talk, and you'll get my blog and some of the podcasts as well, Uh, and uh, you might even... You might even hear George in one of those podcasts uh, if you pull that up, George. <laughs> You're right. Thank you very much, Silvio, for for joining us today. Folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Folks, thank you for joining us today. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. We want to thank our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Again, if you want to know anything about FAIR, anything about immigration and the border crisis, go to FAIRUS.org. I want to thank our guests, uh, Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County, uh, Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies, former Sheriff uh, A.J. Lauterbach, and my good friend Silvio Canto. Uh, fellow blogger from Dallas. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you for being with us. Join us again next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.